This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. And uh, boy, it was an eventful week in the world of soccer, Beamer. I think we know exactly where we're going today. Yeah, Tottenham firing Jose Mourinho, Bone. That one just got swept under the rug. Oh, man, I tell you what. How about the news dump of news dumps where the entire world was like, (laughs) Super League, Super League out. This is terrible. And they're like, Jose's out for what it's worth. Just Mm, FYI. He's gone. He's dead now. (laughs) Just a quiet little whisper in the wind. Just gone. We barely knew ye. So anyway. 45 minutes of Ryan Mason talk on today's show, (laughs) Bone. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all Super League all the time here. The the idea, the conception, the stupidity of it, the failure of it, and uh, obviously the fans uprising as well. That's what we're getting into today. And uh, if you, for some reason, haven't heard a lot about this or didn't know much about it, uh, well, n- now we'll get into it. So that's, that's good as well. But yeah, it sounds like it's over before it began, Beamer. Um, what are your initial thoughts on... Manchester United being a part of this group that wanted to break away and do their own thing. Oh, because you're you're the Manchester United fan. I just I I I want to hear from the people, you know, because people say, oh, well, the fans would support it of those teams. Well, you're a fan of those teams. What did you think of this? Yeah, I thought it was stupid. I just, uh, you know, Bone, as we will get into this, I mean, a ton, right? And it's going to be a 40-minute episode about all the Super League. But, you know, just my initial reaction, kind of take you through the timeline of this. And this is something, you know, Bone, where we had we had mentioned it on the show. Yes. Like, this was something that, you know, it, it, it felt like it was cloak and dagger, did it not? I mean, mm-hmm. when, when this happened and this news was released on Sunday, like, it felt like it was all of a sudden in a jump to conclusion. They announced that these 12 teams were going to be competing in it. And then all of a sudden, like you started to see the wheels fall off immediately. So this is something we had known had been in the works for a while. Now, again, I mean, it was kind of underground. It's not like they were providing you news updates every single week on what was happening with the proposed Super League. But, you know, just as a Manchester United fan, and I know that there are a lot of people who listen to this program who are with me and are Man U fans, and whether it be City or Chelsea or Liverpool or Arsenal or Tottenham or whichever one of the big six that you get get involved with, I feel like, Bone, a lot of us will share the same sentiment. It was absolutely disgusting what they tried to do. What you are doing is trying to buy a non-competitive way to protect your bottom dollar. And listen, we live in America. It's capitalism, right? Free market, everything. You know, teams over there, Bone, have such a big history. I mean, what? 100 plus years of being built hand by hand, brick by brick by the communities over there. And this new wave of ownership thinking, all right, well, it's not right that we're Manchester United and we don't make the, you know, we don't make the Champions League and we should be able to protect our bottom dollar. No, man, it's absolute BS. So you want my thoughts on it? 
That's it. As soon as I heard the news, I was absolutely disgusted by Manchester United and all these teams that tried to do it. It's 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 criminal in my in my book, but yeah. it's criminal. Yeah, and it may it's not necessarily going to I think lead to people going to jail for it. But yeah, I mean, as far as the criminality of what soccer's supposed to be and what what even more than that, it's not about what soccer's supposed to be. It's about what soccer was promised to be to the people who have fallen in love with it in Europe. Right. I mean, the, the way we love sports in the U.S. is slightly different than the way Correct. that fans yes. love sports in, in Europe, because there there is a different structure. Like, you know, the NFL is kind of like McDonald's where it's a brand and then they give you franchises. But all those franchises, even though there's individual owners of those franchises, they're all feeding back into the giant corporate, you know, McDonald's thing. Right. Yeah. That's Correct. not what they have in Europe. In Europe, it is. We founded these clubs, some of them in, around for 130, 140 years, some of them in, in many cases, and some of them have never gotten to the number one spot in their league. Some of them haven't even gotten to the top league in their country. But those those fan bases exist because there is a premise that if we ever got our act together, we could get up to that level, and eventually we could go win every thing, single trophy in Europe. If, if, if we tr work hard enough or get the right ownership or spend a bunch of money, whatever. And this would take that away. Because what this was, for those who still haven't fully grasped what we're talking about, the Super League announcement said that Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, mm -hmm. Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Manchester City, Juventus, AC Milan, and Inter Milan would all be in their own Champions League. So obviously different than the English Premier League, different than the Italian League, different than the Spanish League. Like Those would still exist. Those teams would still play in those competitions, but they were going to yeah. break away. And then instead of if they were good enough to win their league or finish top three or top four, they would get selected to go to the Champions League, which is what happens right now. Mm-hmm. That would just go away. They just wouldn't be a part of Champions League. They would just always be in their own tournament separate. And then they would invite like whatever, you know, team snuck in and was like, oh, hey, you were pretty good last year in the Premier League. You can be in our Super League this year. And then if you win again, maybe you can be in it again. But we're not ever going to be in doubt that Arsenal is going to be in the Super League. Arsenal's not going to be in Champions League this year. They would be in Super League because they just were deemed to be big enough too big to right. fail kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And again, that is the opposite of what soccer is supposed to be. So that is that is why fans were so mad about this. And for I have seen a few people who don't follow soccer that much or maybe just follow it a little bit. And they're like, well, OK, I mean, I, I, I kind of root for one of these teams. What would be so bad about that? I'd, I'd still get to watch my right. team play. Sure. Yeah. OK, that's fine. Number one, um, Chelsea is not Chelsea because of casual American soccer fans. You know right. what I'm saying? Or, right. or casual fans around the world who are just like, oh, whatever, whatever my team does, I'm good with it. Chelsea is Chelsea because there are a lot of people who spend their entire day focused on what's going to happen at Chelsea. And those fans primarily live in England, live around the Chelsea area and are, you know, going to these games week in, week out. Those are the fans that are truly affected by this because they don't feel like that's in the spirit of the competition that they all liked and agreed to and signed up for. I mean, I was thinking about this with Ohio State, man, because obviously you and I are big Buckeye fans. Yeah, we, we have we've covered this team for many years, but also we just have rooted for this team before that um, you, you have friends like Mike Bennett who 
played on that team, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it's something that if Ohio State, as passionate as we are about it, if they just said Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, all, those three are automatically into the playoffs every single year, regardless of their record. And then, uh, I don't know, if, if Penn State gets frisky one year or if Florida is good, Florida will let you in. You can be the fourth team to play all of us for the national championship. Who who would be excited about that? I mean, as as Buckeye fans, sure, it'd be nice to be included in that, but you would never feel like that any of the games mattered. Like you can go you you could go six and six and be in the championship round. I mean, that would just not be okay. I don't I don't I don't know why anybody would support that. That's not the spirit of sports. No, it's not. I mean, the spirit of sports bones is the best team on a day in day out basis, you know, at least over there will win. And I think it's why we love sports, right? I mean, the underdog stories, I think we romanticize that a lot. And so it's just, you know, we understand for the most part, right? These big clubs. So you mentioned these 12 clubs uh, that you said right there that for the most part, Bone, are they going to take home a fair share of the titles? Yeah, they sure are. Look who's in the Champions League semifinals this year. Mm-hmm. Okay? Sure. you got Real Madrid. You have Manchester City. You've got PSG. And I don't know why the hell I'm blanking on the last. Chelsea. Chelsea. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my yeah, bad. Yeah. Pretty uh, much Chelsea. all of them except PSG. Right. would have yeah. been. And PSG and- might have ended up being in it if they'd kept going with it. We don't know. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, for the most part, are these teams going to take away their fair share of the titles and the trophies? Yeah, they sure are. But you shouldn't have the ability to take away the other other teams' rights that you're playing with in your domestic leagues to not afford them that opportunity. And so what happened here was, I think, the most brash arrogance that you can possibly think of where these new owners are coming in and they're saying to ourselves, okay, you know, fans want fans want more support. And look at Real Madrid's financials. Look at Barcelona's financials. These teams are in huge financial trouble that we have talked about before. But it's just it's a criminal way to go about it to protect the bottom dollar. And the other way that you're doing, you're basically taking the legs out of all your competition. You're going to be making X amount of dollars more than like, what was it? $460 million, I think, to be able to join this league that you're going to get as just a war trust war chest of money to be able to go and get. Yeah, sure. That sounds nice. But what are you doing to the Southamptons of the world? What are you doing to the Wolves of the world? The, you know, AS Romas, all these teams out there who are scratching and fighting and clawing their way to stay up. It was an absolute egregious decision. And it's not what the sport is about. And it's so perfect the way we have it right now. And I don't know why people want to go and change it. Arsenal are ninth in the Premier League. They haven't won a trophy in God knows how long. Tottenham hasn't won a trophy in the last decade. And Tottenham, we're Tottenham that- hasn't won a prim- – they have never won in the Premier League since it's been called that. They've not won a first division championship in England since the 60s. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about 60 years of right. you not winning a top flight trophy, and yet you're deemed to be a, a power in this league – which they are. They're a big club. Of I'm course, not arguing at that. Tottenham fans don't yell at me about that, but it's absolutely egregious. The fact that they're going to get this ability to go and do that. You could argue that Leicester city, which is an unbelievable five year run in the premier league has been, and has been a more dominant side than they have winning the league just a few years ago. And for you to have this selective selective, you know, 
or selection process of saying, well, these teams are worth X amount of dollars. These are the fans. Are those the biggest teams in the world? Yeah, I'm not arguing that. That is not the point that I'm arguing. What I'm arguing is the fact that this is inherently unfair to all those the rest of the teams. And when Manchester United got on board with this, I saw our buddy Chris Blaine, who listens to the podcast, does yeah. some great things. You know, he was like, I'm not I, like I look at my Manchester United stuff in my closet and I'm disgusted by it. And I feel like a lot of people were that same exact way. Like you're doing this for the business aspect and you are telling the fans you're flipping the fans, the middle finger, and you're saying, you know what? You're addicted to it. You need it. You're going to come back at some point. We're going to ruffle some feathers, but no, no, that's not what happened, man. The fans took ownership of what was theirs and why they give their hard earned dollars and their well-spent time into this club and just had a revolution and it was stomped out within 72 hours. And it was, a, it was a great thing to see bone. It yeah. was just, it was really uncomprehendable what these people were trying to do. Yeah. Well, and that's, and, and I think you hit on some very good points there, but one of them that I think it needs to be kind of brought back into focus is that like th- this is even within American sports, right? Like where we, like I said, some people were kind of pointing at like, oh, they want they want American fans to buy in. And this is a little bit more like the American sports model. And it is, right? No team in the NFL is getting relegated. No team in – the Pirates can be as bad as they want in Major League Baseball, and they're, they're still going to be in Major League Baseball, get all the revenue from it. But the the end of the day, like, there isn't really a structure in our country where, like, the Clippers could just go up to yeah, right, Major League right. Baseball. They have a stadium that seats 10,000 people or whatever. I love Huntington Park. It's great. Yep. But there's no way you can compare that to like the way that that the sports are over in Europe, where everything is kind of geared for like upward mobility. If you can get good enough, you can go compete. And and that's okay. We don't need that necessarily to be that way here. But also, Major League Baseball does not set up like the European competition, Champions League, Euros or Europa, I'm saying not Euros, Europa League. Those are not competitions that are like the regular season. Those are the playoffs for a league that does not have playoffs, right? Obviously, it's different because you're not taking the top eight teams from England and just playing each other, but you are taking the top from each country and saying, now put them all in a pool and see what they do, and let's find out who the best team is on the continent every single year. And that's the part where it is very not like American sports. Imagine if the NBA was just like, Lakers are always in, Celtics are always in. They're just really good. Like then it was sorry, sorry, Cavs fans. Like you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or, or, or Cavs fans. If you're lucky to get one of the final two spots, you'll, you'll, that'd be fine. But every, like, it does not the matter. The Lakers are 20 and 62 this year, but they're still going to be in the playoffs because they're the Lakers. Well, and imagine setting that up and being like, well, Hey man, when we set this up in the nineties, Detroit had just come off a bunch of championships and going to the finals and all that stuff. Detroit is a huge city with tons of fans and just saying like forever, the Detroit Pistons are in the playoffs, no matter what you like. Now we would look at that and be like, well, they had some downs. They went back up and won a championship in the early 2000s. They went down again. Like that wouldn't, no one would want that. Why would you just want to say Detroit in the playoffs, no matter what, every single year, no matter how bad they are, why would anybody want that? So thankfully that's not what we're getting. Thankfully, the fans rose up, and and it was really an, an exciting thing to see the fans say, "Yeah, we're we're good with burning our jersey. We're good with not rooting for our team." And yeah. as much as like, and I'm not I'm not trying to downgrade anybody's fandom over here, 
I obviously think it's a slightly different thing, right? Like we all get attached to these teams for whatever reason, but I think to for, for us to say like, well, I'm done watching, you know, whatever, Tottenham or Arsenal. If they do this, I'm out. That's easier when we don't have the opportunity to go to their games. You know, we don't have the opportunity to like sure. walk to the stadium. For it's the, not right down the street. Right, it's right. Like, right I mean, we can't do that. Yeah, like they're on some level. And again, I'm not trying to rip our American fans who who root for these big clubs or anything, because obviously I have my English soccer team. They're Sunderland. They're in the third division. So I also realize it's hypocritical a little bit for me to say like, yeah, they should all, all these fans should walk away. I didn't have to make that choice. My my team had no one asking them like, hey, you want to be in this thing? You know, it, I, I'm looking at it purely from the self-serving side of like, I would like Sunderland if they ever get back up there and they're good enough to have a chance to be in the Champions League. That may never happen, but I'd like them to have that opportunity. Yeah, there's there's the there's the realistic possibility of that happening. No matter how far it yeah, seems it, away, it's, it's a possibility. It's yeah, it's ultimately it's attainable. It's attainable. It's, a, it's for not you a probability, right? No, no, it's not a probability. And the shrimpers are even way less of a probability <laughs> to do that and reach Champions League streams. But you know what I'm saying? Like there was always there was always that inherent fairness, right? I mean, big clubs are going to make money and they're going to spend money on big players and that's fine. And they've built that through their times and they deserve that. They deserve to be that because they have won and they have the history and they, they have the financial backing and that's cool and that's okay. But to tell these other clubs, like I said, just to give them a middle finger and say, well, you aren't welcome in my club. It's just, I don't know, man. To me, that's not what the soccer world represents. To me, I, a couple of weeks ago when we were doing this podcast, like, you know, the, our strange little family that we have here in Columbus for crew fans and everybody's welcoming and, you know, everybody makes you feel like the most important person in the world when you go out there and you're happy to see each other and you cheer on your team. You know, that's what, to me, this community is about. And you're telling, you know, 99% of the teams, of the professional teams uh, around Europe, like, you're not welcome in our club, like, you know, piss on you because you're a small club. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. It was, it was, it really was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think that's what it, it took something for those fans who do have a chance to go to these games and are just right down the street from some of these big time clubs and can say, yeah, I, I grew up going to these games with my dad or my grandpa or whoever. And, and now I will walk away from all that. That's, that's what it took. And I mean, it's not the only thing. Clearly there were reports of, money being exchanged and UEFA paying the English clubs to stick in Champions League and well that's a whole different podcast right like it, it should be it should be noted that there are no good guys at the top of the elite soccer like no like the guys who wanted to, the people who wanted to form this European Super League are not any worse than the people who run UEFA and the people who run FIFA UEFA if they could create a Champions League off of Champions League that they could break away a Champions like and still maintain Champions League if they could do this they would they just there's no way to keep the integrity of their thing that makes them billions of dollars well which is why this. they have Europa League I mean, right it's, yes it's, it's, still theirs, it's still something know? that they do and that's why they were mad that both of those were going to get hurt by this because they love it when you know Arsenal or Manchester United or one of these other big time clubs course, is in Europa League. Why wouldn't they? They know it's going to get people to watch that competition. And now if those teams are like, yeah, we never have to play in Europa League again, bye. Like that obviously hurts their bottom dollar too. So there's no good guys here. There's no good guys. It's just fortunately the fans got what's probably better for the sport in general. They also you also got a lot of people stepping down. Like I saw your guy Ed Woodward. Yeah, Blazers He's, out next, baby. Let's get him out of here. <laughs> well, uh, that one's going to be a tougher lift because that you're going to need billions and billions of dollars to get them out. But 
Ed Woodward, who had been the terrible executive vice chairman of Manchester United, is on is out. He's resigned. He'll be out, I think, at the end of the year. Or maybe he stepped away immediately. I forget. But the point is that he's not the only one. There are other top executives from some of these teams who stepped down or said they will step down because of this. I mean, he was Can one we of the, talk about for a was, second. He was I one of the architects of all that. Well, yeah, he, he sure was. Can we talk about for a second? how bad of a guy Florentino Perez is like, I mean, he is just like all time villain level on this and, and bone. He's still sticking to this thing. Like he's still sticking to this idea. Like, yeah, it's on the back burner. It's on the table. He said we'll it's in, he said it's in, in a few standby. Months. Like we're on, we're on standby. So yeah, that's, that's a good point you make. Do not consider this to be done just because you got the snake in the cage, right? Like, they're not done yet. They may have just pulled back a little bit to regroup and refire and how much more money is it going to take or something, right? Like just because you got all these snakes back in their cages doesn't mean they're eventually not going to get together and do it again. They just might try to do it smarter. So that's a fair point by you. Like, but guys like Florentino Perez, just terrible, just terrible humans. Yeah. And so to the Manchester United point, you know, point of view, I mean, you have, um, you know, Ed Woodward, who has just been a horror, I mean, horrible management uh, for Manchester. Literally the second he got there, people were, you know, just complaining that, I mean, he he's not the guy for Manchester United, but I think what we don't, we don't inherently understand here. I mean, we're relatively new country, right? 1776 haven't been along for, for that. Haven't been, haven't been around for that long. Professional sports isn't something that's been around for forever. And yeah, I guess over there it hasn't either. What we have to understand about the differences between we have sports here and sports over there and Gary Neville hit the ball out of the park. I mean, you want to talk about bases loaded bottom of the ninth. I mean, hit a grand slam. As soon as this happened, I mean, he was all fired up about it and he rightfully should. You know, these clubs were built as like a community center where you can go and get away from your job. And they were literally bone each and every community. And I think that's what makes the game so special over there is we don't realize how deep of roots that it has. You know, look here at our own city, right? 1996, 25 years ago, Columbus Crew, they were built, they were bought. You know, you're doing all this thing. You're starting a new league. This is something that is relatively new for us. And over there, we're talking about hundreds of years of history where you have ingrained yourself in your own communities like Liverpool and Everton. I mean, what are they, an eight-minute walk from each other? <laughs> Literally the side-by-side right. side from Anfield and Goodison Park. One side of the city's red, one side of the city is blue, and now they have both turned into massive, massive teams on the world landscape. But it didn't always start out that way. And so it's just, you know, the constant building. And now with this influx of money, these new owners coming in and not understanding how deep those, those roots really go. I think it was a severe oversight on their part to think that they could come over and just like pull the hood over their fans and say, yeah, listen, but all this money that we're making, well, what comes along with that money that you're making? Are you going to drop ticket prices down to $2, two pounds so I can go watch Liverpool play? No, you're going to balloon it up because you can, and you know, you're getting the best matches. So I think it was a severe oversight on their part. And it was just, I don't know. I keep going back to the word disgusting, man. It, it really was. And I'm, I'm thrilled for the fans over there that they, that they were able to take power back into their own hands. Yeah. I, I mean, I love cars and I think of, you know, like a really nice example of like a, a beautiful car from, you know, made in the sixties or seventies, maybe it was hand built by Ferrari or, or Lamborghini, yeah. one of those people. And, and, and maybe there's only a few of them in the world. 
you know, and, and they cost tens of millions of dollars and some rich guy comes along and buys one of these examples and then instantly goes and like slaps neon under carriage lights on it and like has it spray painted like fuchsia or what like it just all this like it puts a giant wing on the back of it and you're like yeah i mean it is yours you can do what you want with it but don't you understand how many people love that car like even though yes you bought it and it's your thing all these other people care about that or they care about you know a painting in a museum that's how i look at sports teams is like yeah you can buy these things you can own these things but they mean so much to so many other people who will never have the money to buy these teams. You have to be respectful of that. And that's what I feel like the Super League thing did not do. Uh, we'll, we'll take a pause here. We'll come back and talk about how uh, American s- sports fans, mm-hmm. could they have done what European sports fans did here to save something? It's it's almost too bad, Beamer, if there was only an example of American sports fans rising up and mm. doing that. I don't I don't recall any. We'll try to we'll try to that. think of it and come back next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. So uh I saw this tweet and I know you did too, and it was frustrating the hell out of me when it happened. Uh, Barry Pacheski, who I actually have read plenty of his stuff. He used to write for Deadspin. He now is one of the co-owners of Defector, which is like new Deadspin. Uh, it's like a subscription-based site, but a lot of the old Deadspin writers that made that site good are there. Um, anyway, he tweeted something about how with all of what happened with the Super League, basically this could only happen in Europe. It would never happen with American sports fans. Here's what mm-hmm. he tweeted. It's kind of sad to realize that American sports fans would never physically protest the way Super League clubs fans are and would quietly accept whatever terrible change is force-fed them. He then said, as has been pointed out, this is an American problem, not an American sports problem. Just look at how the entirety of France takes to the streets when they take a sick day away or whatever, and it works. And and, and his point is, is founded in... I think some truth, right? I mean, if if the NFL has a new rule that people don't like, you don't typically see fans outside of their team's complexes, you know, protesting. I get that. But Beamer, are there any examples of like local teams seeing a league do something that is egregious and wrong Mm. and then like immediately organizing and immediately being out on the streets with signs, with banners, with people vocally chanting and yelling did anybody do that in the last, I don't know, five years, let alone uh, a couple decades? In Yeah, I'm just, that- I'm really having a hard time, Bone, putting my finger on this one. I, we, do a, we do a podcast and we do radio shows in Columbus, Ohio. And as you may know, I mean, we've got the Buckeyes who are great. We've got the Columbus Blue Jackets, the professional organization. You have mentioned, of course, the Columbus Clippers and what they are down at the lovely Huntington Ballpark. Uh, am I, I don't know. I seem to be forgetting one maybe, uh, that actually had this happen. What's the name of the, uh, what's the name of that team bone? I'm I'm starting to say, well, the movement, it seems like there was something about saving whatever Mm. that team would be called. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what that, maybe the crew, 
Is that yeah? Yeah, that's okay. it. Save okay. the crew, right? Yeah, save the crew. It. I yeah. think that was. I think that was a little bit of the story uh, that 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 we're trying to reference to. But no, you're right. I mean, it's not. Ne- it's never happened here uh, in America, and it surely hasn't garnered international news, and it surely hasn't gotten the attention of every big club in the world and supporters all around the world trying to save this team from being taken away by the evil dictator Anthony Precourt. That never happened, right? No, no, of course not. And, and you know, what, what's interesting about how all that went down was I, I and, and save the crew people were pointing this out immediately and rightfully so, not just what to Barry's tweet, but just before that even came out, before that tweet came out saying, oh, Americans would never do this. Like, save the crew people, when this all came down, were instantly jumping on with the Super League and going, hey, this sucks. You can maybe try to do something about it, though, because we also were told there's no way this can be stopped. There's nothing that can be done. Once they want to move your team, that's it. You did all you could. You should have bought more tickets. Oh, well, you live and you learn, and then you move on. And, and you guys organizing, you're just wasting your time. There's nothing to see here. And it does it does yet again prove that situation with Save the Crew, this one with the fans being outraged all across the globe, it does point out that in sports, yeah, if your terrible ownership wants to do something horrible, there is a chance you can effect change. You know, I'm not saying that every time you want to see a player traded, you need to march and have 10,000 people in the streets. I'm not. That's that's, I think, a little ridiculous. I but. demand Pierre-Luc Dubois be traded. <laughs> Let's march on High Street and get him out. That's of here. all right. Pierre-Luc Dubois took his he took matters into his own hands. He, he was like, yeah, I, I got this. Don't worry. I'll just I'll just dog it for a shift and that'll be enough. But uh, anyway, I just I think there are things such as talking about moving the team, talking about changing something that's the fabric of the team. Where, yeah, you can organize and get out there and you still can change things. It's it's very interesting to see how average human beings who don't have billionaire dollars and billionaire helicopters and yachts, they can still find a way to get the billionaire class to listen if you if you get out and are vocal. So that's interesting to me and that you saw it a little bit here. I don't think it was the only factor in the Super League. I, I honestly think the Super League where they went wrong, just like Anthony Precourt, I think Anthony Precourt thought... Yeah, the Columbus fans will be mad. No one else will care. Everybody knows if you don't sell enough tickets, you lose your franchise. That's how this goes. I don't think he realized he would become the pariah of MLS. I don't think he expected to see the BBC doing like having his name <laughs> pop up as the villain in a story. I genuinely I don't think he, don't think he did a news story on Chelsea's website. About right. It. Right. I don't think he expected all his like frat boy douchebag friends who are like, oh, yeah, man, it's up. I love Arsenal. I love Chelsea. Blah. And they're like, hey, bro, you're on their website. Blah. Like, I don't think he ever thought that was going to happen. And just like that. I don't think these billionaire owners of these teams ever thought they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole city fans are going to be mad about it. I get that. Oh, okay. You know, these, these other clubs that have no level of our prestige, they're going to be mad. They're not included, but our fans will love this. Our fans will love every week knowing that you're going to every year, it's going to be Manchester United Arsenal, Champions League, guaranteed. Chelsea Tottenham, guaranteed. And it's like, well, number one, they get those matchups in the Premier League every year, too. Right. Well, but, and also, who's who's to say, a little aside here, a little side nugget, yeah. who's to say over the course of time that, okay, yeah, you you become so numb to Tottenham going to the Bernabeu or Tottenham, you know, Manchester City going sure. uh, to, to wherever, the new camp, 
and like who's to say that it doesn't become dull to the senses? Sure, that sounds great. Would I like the Browns and Bears to play every year so I can go up to Cleveland? Yeah, but at a point in time, Bone, it loses its luster. Ten years down the road, when these teams have played thirty times over the last decade, who gives a flip at this yeah. point? Yeah, and I I think that's it. Is is that the Champions League matchups? We never know what we're gonna get. We never know who's gonna quite be paired with each other. There are no guarantees because you don't know next year who's going to make it and who's not. We we think we know, right? I mean, I think you could fairly, if you had to, well, obviously right now, but start of next season, start of all the domestic leagues next year, if you put down money and said you got to bet on all the, you know, first group stage, you know, teams that are going to be in, I bet you could nail more than half of them, right? Probably sure. 75%. Most soccer fans could because you know who that is, but it's just that idea that we don't know for sure who's going to win those matchups and who's going to advance and who's going to get to the round of, you know, 16 or the, you know, all the knockout stages. You just don't know. And that's what's beautiful about it. So, yeah, just being able to see that that these these billionaire owners didn't count on the fact that we all love right. that. They didn't count on the fact that across the globe, this would be a story, not just in their domestic leagues. And as specifically, they did not think their fan bases would be almost unanimous in saying, we're done with you if you do this. We are done with you. Our fans are done with our team if you do this. people who actually live and work and live and breathe and die by these clubs in this city That's are what they done, did not expect. Are done They with did you. not expect it. And that's where, they, that's where they completely screwed up. So good. Good for those fans that did that. It's a powerful lesson that I think we can all take away as sports fans. Not that... There are lots of other bigger problems in the world, right? But sports are supposed to be our outlet from those problems and the fun part of our lives yeah. that we get to enjoy. And when these billionaire owners and come in... And the heartbreaking part. Let's not forget well, that. Well, yeah, but you know what, though? Again, it's... There's so much... There's something. It's just like when you watch... You know, you sit down, you watch a sad movie. You mm -hmm. opted into that, right? Like, you opted into the cry that you're going to have at the end of that sad movie, okay? So at least you know, yes, this was painful, or yes, this spoke to me, or whatever... But at any moment, you know you could have just turned it off, but you chose not to. You chose to do that. That's what it is with sports. You opted in to whatever that roller coaster ride is, and you know you can opt out at any time. You can't opt out from all these other horrible issues that go on in life, right? If a loved one gets really sick, right. you can't opt out of that. That just is. And sports is a thing that you can have when you need it as a release to just get away from all that other stuff. So when these billionaire owners start messing with that that's where i think people really are unified and say no we don't want you to do that anymore yeah and so i was uh you know our buddy keith and us who listens to the uh program a yep. uh, great member of the save the crew mov movement Absolutely. has been all over this uh all week and so michael decorsi who does who writes for the sporting news and is really good um you know takes uh okay you know fine you can have a bad take i mean we're in the business where we talk three hours a day every <laughs> sure day, we've so, all had them That's uh, right. more more takes are bad than they are good and so there was an article that was done i forget by the new york times right and so this is like this is an american problem actually you know with the inflation of the super league and so he got into a uh something with uh, jeff walner who's a sports writer from cincinnati listen to this i'll read you i'll read you off you know their their twitter exchange and 
again, Keith Noss was the one who kind of pointed me to this. So hat tip to him. Uh, said Mike DeCourcy said, this is a bad take. He said, just because you're legal and rich enough to do it, that doesn't make it right. Uh, you know, someone who literally wrote the book on super rich club owners penned this from a New York Times opinion and said, most blaming this quote on American values is unfair and inaccurate. There are rich people all over the world and there are rich owners from all over the world in soccer. The Euro League and basketball is essentially the same thing as the Super League would have been. That wasn't invented here. And so this Jeff Warner guy who's from Cincinnati goes back to it and he said, the part what I do find fascinating Fascinating is that they stopped it. What if fans, players, media in Baltimore stopped covering the Colts for moving on? For example, that's the culture part. I'd like to know if the American owners involved in this were a little surprised that they didn't get their way. Mike DeCourcy replies back. He said, I'm sure the owners were surprised, but remember, Real Madrid was the, basically the last one on the sinking ship. And here's what I don't understand. This guy, literally, I clicked on his Twitter profile, and, and the header picture on his Twitter page is a match of the Hell is Real matchup between the Columbus crew and FC Cincinnati. He says this, which could be in contention for the dumbest tweet of all time, either that or you're having a coy jab here. I'm not quite sure. He said, has America had a fan uprising like this for a decision in any sports or league? The passion over the past 48 hours, trying to think of a comp here, maybe a player strike, but fans here never seem to move the needle. Owners do what they want, generally. How are you living in this state <laughs> with a picture of you at an FC Cincinnati Columbus Crew game that oblivious to what has happened here? I don't know. I, I mean, look, it could be this. It could be this, in fairness to that guy, as dumb as that sounds. Maybe what he's talking about, because I seeing all the players roll out onto the field yeah, with shirts yeah. that said that shirts that immediately said the message of like fans. Earn it. Yeah. Earn and, it. Yeah. Earn it. And the, the, you know, fans are football and all that stuff. That is something that I feel like, sure, the save the crew movement, not that this is on them. The there was not that level. You had Josie outdoor Michael Bradley like, oh well, you can't keep pace. What are you gonna do? Yeah, just Kai like Kamara oh. being a giant ass, right? Like there were individual players who just kind of poo pooed this away. So so th that's the part I think that is a little different. Is you did not see all the players immediately come out and say, sure, if they do this, no one should. We should all leave this league. Like if they move this crew team, everybody should leave. That's that's the part that I think is slightly different. But outside of that, and that's a big piece, right? The players saying players literally saying, I will not play for you in this. I, I will yeah. rather play in the, I'd rather play in the World Cup than play in this stupid tournament. Yeah, and, which and, is something we didn't even get into. I mean, right. UEFA and FIFA just lobbing hand grenades and trading <laughs> blows with this thing from the very get-go. Like, they announced it, and they're like, yeah, actually, teams who play in this league, players, they're going to be banned from international competition. <laughs> so there you go. You want to try yeah. to hamstring us? How about that little bit of a bazooka right back in Well, and I saw a few people saying, like, just wait till all these players opt to play for their billionaire owners. They're not going to play for free for their national teams. And it's like... Have you met soccer players? Like they've all got millions of dollars and there's a right. bunch of clubs that are not these 15 teams that will pay them millions of dollars to play soccer and they can still and go also, play for their country. They don't play for their national teams for free. They get paid yes. for doing that. Yeah, it's just it, like, I mean, you'd have to undo the World Cup over 30 years. You'd have to get people <laughs> to say the World Cup doesn't matter. Maybe yeah. then you'd have a generation of players who would do that. But right now, the ultimate in soccer is to hoist a World Cup. So if yes. you think you have a chance to even attempt at that, you're going to take it. So, yeah, it was just gross miscalculations by greedy people yep. all the way through this. And that's, of course, that's that's how it fails. And uh, I guess, thankfully, they weren't smart enough to see this through, right? Thankfully, the, these brilliant minds in, in sports ownership were not 
smart enough to do this. And and let's hope that we just all kind of keep an eye on that because at some point they'll get smarter, right? The people yeah. who want to move teams and you know shut these leagues down and change all that, they'll they'll get smarter with their messaging. They'll figure out how to get people on board ahead of time. And that's where you still have to stay vigilant and say, no, it doesn't matter that you've made me feel better about this. It's still wrong. And hopefully uh, we'll keep that energy when that happens again. Beam, it's been fun. It's a lot we packed into this one. So looking forward to maybe actually talking about the on the field action next week when we get back to it. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds good to me. And Bone, big day tomorrow, vaccine day. I'm going to hydrate my face off oh, today. Oh, do it, yeah. Do a little yard work at the vaccine. Second dose of Pfizer is going to be coursing through my blood. And in two weeks' time, my friend, mm. you and me are just going to do nothing but make out for 45 <laughs> minutes on this Just licking podcast. faces. That's exactly mm. right. I got my second dose in, and I will tell you, hydrate as much as you can. It knocked me down. I felt I felt hung over for pretty much all of Monday. No, oh, I can deal with that. Yeah. I've, so I've it, had plenty it, of hangovers. Before. It was actually nice because I've forgotten what a hangover feels like because I've not had. I mean, you know, I'm at home, but it's not the same as when you get that bar hangover where you were out mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm just going to have one more. And then seven drinks later, eight more people have shown up and you're like, well, we're out till two o'clock now. That's just happening. <laughs> that hangover is that's what I felt on Monday. And then uh but all good after that. I felt great afterwards. So enjoy the vaccine. Get yours if you haven't gotten it yet. And uh, hopefully we'll see you very, very soon. Till next time, thanks for listening to Bone and Beam United.